The reading this morning is from Psalm 46. This is one of my favourite psalms. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth tremble and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river, its streams delight, the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her, she will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns, nations range. Kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth, who makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters the bow and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Today is my final sermon, part two. <laughs> you had part one a few, a few weeks ago from Hebrews chapter 10. But before I get into Psalm 46, I'd like to say a couple of things about my time here at TAC. Uh, if you haven't picked up, this is my last Sunday. Uh, Mikey's here. I am going. Sorry, did that sound a bit, bit, bit happy? <laughs> I didn't mean it quite come out that way. Uh, Yes, this is my final Sunday, and uh, it's uh, an important day for you as you welcome Mike and his family. Can I encourage you, uh, if you have not already thought about it, to be here on Thursday night uh, or watch the service, the commencement service on uh, live stream. It all starts, as we've heard, at 7.30, and I'm sure Mike and his family will be very encouraged by your presence. Let me just say a couple of things. I started here at TAC in the middle of lockdown. That's a very unusual way to start any ministry, even for locums. Uh, To do things online, uh, not knowing the people to start with. Uh, Services and staff meetings for that first month uh, were very strange for me. But nevertheless, with the help of a very encouraging staff team, uh, I was uh, able to uh, settle in to... Uh, my brief time here at TAC. And let me say uh, I'm grateful to the staff team for making my time here or my beginning uh, and the rest of my time uh, enjoyable. It, it's not easy. Um, and you may find that difficult from a, coming from a clergyman who's had more than 36 years of ordained ministry. Coming into a parish of this size uh, with four services and a large staff team I've worked in parishes where there was simply just me. Congregations of maybe uh, 30 people um, across the church, not just 
in a, con- in, a, in a particular service. So coming here to TAC, facing four services and all you faces, um, it, w- it was terrifying. But I'm grateful to the staff team and to you uh, for your welcome and encouragement. Uh, one thing that, that strikes me as being very clear before I start Psalm 46 is that uh, staff team and people here at TAC have a great love for Jesus. You have a great desire to see the gospel proclaimed. And uh, that is very clear. And I was excited as I got to know a few people. And you only get to know a few people when you're only here for a few months. I just feel now as though I'm kind of settling in and, and I'm now leaving. Um, but that, that clear love of Jesus that is proclaimed in all the services, by the leaders of the service, by those who preach, uh, by your desire to, to study God's word uh, is, uh, is very, very encouraging. And I'm sure it will be encouraging to Mike and Kel as they settle into the parish life here. Okay, your future under Mike, who knows? Who knows? Kel might have some idea, but we don't. But we trust in God. God has it all in hand. I was talking to a friend only yesterday at a working bee in our own church up at Wimberley, and we were talking about uh, uh, how our days are numbered. We've just had a friend in our Bible study group pass away in this last week, and we were talking about how our days are numbered, and I said, I just wish God would let me know. And my friend Bruce said to me, Howard, if you knew what God knew, you'd want to change it. And I thought, yeah, he's right. I'd want to take control. We've got to trust in God. And as you embark on this, this new ministry, this new era of life here at TAC, keep trusting in God. As we're going to find out in Psalm 46, he is our refuge. He is our strength. Let me pray as we come to look at this psalm. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for who you are. You are our our refuge and our strength. You are the God of our salvation that you have provided in your son Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death on the cross and his resurrection We thank you for your calling of us to be your people. So help us now as we look at your word to be encouraged by it, to live by it, to serve you by it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many times throughout your life have you felt alone? Here we are. Millions of people in the world, millions of people in our city, hundreds of people in our daily environment, and yet you may have this overwhelming feeling of being alone. No one cares, no one listens. You might as well be on a desert island because no one is listening, no one is near to you. You call out to God because someone has told you that God is always there for you. Well, guess what? Not even God is listening to your cries. They go unanswered. 
Over the last two years, you may have been praying for God to bring an end to the COVID pandemic across the world, and yet it rages from country to country. Like me, you may have called upon God to reveal his grace and truth to members of your family who have not yet called upon the name of Jesus. And yet your prayers go unanswered. Is God really listening? The writer of Psalm 44 certainly felt that way. In verse 9 of Psalm 44, it says, But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with your armies. In verse 12, he says, You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing for their sale. In verse 23 of Psalm 44, the psalmist writes, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Well, the despair that the writer and reader may feel from Psalm 44 now turns to joy and celebration in Psalm 46. The thought that there is no God or that he doesn't care or listen is done away with in the very first verse. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. It's not that God provides the refuge, but recognising that he is the refuge. It's not that God provides a safe shelter for us, a physical shelter, but he is our refuge. God is seen as the shelter, the refuge from the storm of life. For the people of ancient Israel, strongholds and towers speak volumes for refuge from military oppressors, from the enemies that would come and take their land away. Jerusalem, God's holy city on earth, was the very place where God dwelt with his people. And before that, it was in the tent of meeting as they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land. God is the refuge for Israel. With a glance at these physical protections, the psalmist sings of God as their shelter and refuge. In earlier psalms, David reveals his dependence on God for his security. Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take my refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I have been saved from my enemies. In Psalm 23, that well-known Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley Through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The Psalms repeatedly call God our refuge because we are so constantly in need of it. Turning to God for refuge is the only real support that we have in life. 
everything else is human made. Everything else is temporary. In the Psalm 2, David took refuge by remembering that God will eventually put things right. In Psalm 7, he took refuge by resting on God's wise arrangements for his life's circumstances. Again, in Psalm 18, David's taking refuge by thanking God for past blessings. He draws near to God. I love you, Lord. He uses a word that conveys deep emotion and passion. I wonder when we say, I love you, Lord, whether we say it with the same force that we might say, I love ice cream. I love chocolate. When you think about God, when you declare your love for God, how deep is that love? For God's love for you is deep. How deep the Father's love for us. We've sung it many times in our church services. How vast beyond all measure. Is that the love we have for God? God is our refuge and strength. God doesn't guarantee a trouble-free life when we call upon his name. But what he, what he guarantees to do is to be there with us. He is the rock, our foundation. He is our strength and refuge. Israel was always tempted to look elsewhere for protection. They would call upon their enemies. They would worship the gods of their enemies. They would turn away from the refuge of God himself. This was to take shelter in what was false. God's call is always to his people to put their trust in him. To seek his will and his way. Our Lord Jesus called his disciples to do the same. John chapter 14 verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Believe also in me. In that moment... That night that he was to be arrested, the day before or the night before his crucifixion, Jesus was calling upon his followers to seek God as their refuge and strength. Where shall we go to find that same refuge and protection? Where will we go to find such refuge that we will call out to God, I love you, Lord, my strength. Surely our refuge is found in God alone, in Jesus. But the psalm moves on from verse 1. And we re God reveals that he dwells with his people. In verses 4 to 7, we are given a glimpse of where God dwells with them. For the Israelites of the Old Testament, it was in the temple of Jerusalem, the city of God. The scene is one of contrast. Verses 2 and 3 there is the uproar of seething waters, the waters of oceans, the waters of causing calamity and destruction. You might recall the words of Jonah as he dealt with God's judgment upon him for his own rebellion in Jonah chapter 2. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. 
He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realms of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me. The oceans are wild. The oceans represent chaos, separation from God. Go further into Jonah chapter 2 and you, you find him being enwrapped or encircled by seaweed. It's a horrible feeling. Jonah is going down, as he says, to the depths of the ocean, to the foundations of the mountains. He is going away from God, being drawn away, not by God, but by his own rebellion. But now, in verses 4 to 7, there is the refreshment of the river and the streams. They remind us of peace and tranquility compared with the wild and turbulent waters of the sea. In 2011, Jackie and I were in the Lakes District in England, in the north of England. And yes, we'd already been to Old Trafford in Manchester, just in case you were wondering. And here in the Lakes District, we, we rented a cottage and there was a slow-flowing river meandering through the backyard. I remember when I, I made arrangements to rent this cotting, I actually asked the owner, is there really a river flowing through the backyard? And she assured me that there was. And this river meandered very gently, coming down the hill through the backyard. It was great to sit out there, even on a frosty November morning with a cup of coffee, sitting there in the peace and quiet of this river, pondering the things of God. The scene before us here in Psalm 46 may take our thoughts to the Garden of Eden, the harmony that was there with God and Adam as they strolled together in the cool of the evening perhaps. These verses might take us to the, uh, the waters of the, the Temple Mount in Ezekiel chapter 47 or even into Revelation where the water becomes the river of life from the throne of grace in Revelation 22. The water in God's control is calming. It's peaceful. God is our refuge and our strength. In placing our trust in God, we have a picture of his majesty in verses 8 through to 10. The psalmist writes, Come see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease, cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Come and see what God has done. The call from God is to trust in him. It's not an empty invitation. It is a, it's not a call without substance. There is a sense of fulfilment and excitement, an urgency. Quick, come and see 
Come and see what I have done for you. Jackie and I are fortunate to have two of our six grandchildren living close by in a, by a home in, in Falconbridge. The youngest of those two brothers is Lewis and our staff team, or some of the members of our staff team met Lewis one staff day, one staff meeting. He was on his best behaviour then. But he loves to play with Lego. Four years of age, he will sit down and get one of those books out and he will follow the book, he'll follow the pictures. But not only that, he will build his own creations. He's amazing. And when he's done it, he will come running, full of excitement, and he will yell out, come and see what I've done. And if you don't go, he will grab you by the arm and drag you to see what he's done. This is, this is the excitement that God has for us. Come and see what God has done, the psalmist writes. How faithful he has been for us. The call of David to the people of Israel is to trust in God and this trust is based on what God has done for his people. For Israel, the actions of God were visible throughout their history. The parting of the waters of the Red Sea, which saw the destruction of the Egyptian army. The leading of his people through the wilderness to take the promised land, promised by God to them as an inheritance. How God has raised up great leaders in Israel to defeat their, the, their enemies, faithful men like Moses and Joshua, David, Gideon and Samuel and others, the prophets Come and see what God has done, is the psalmist's cry. But what do these words, come and see, mean for subsequent generations? What does this call mean for us? This invitation is to come and experience and worship God. Psalm 66 is such a psalm where the call is to the faithful to come and see. Even today, the same call goes out. Not just over a month ago, were we not singing, O come all ye faithful, come and behold him. Come and see God's salvation. These are words that call us into the presence of God to see what he has been doing what he's been doing for us. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Here is the very picture of victory. The battle has been fought and won. The victory is the, is the death and resurrection of the Son, Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. It is the scene of the final judgment. Wars will cease across the world. There will be no more destruction. Only heaven for those who have their trust in God through Jesus. This final victory over Satan is one from which Satan will never recover. There will be no peace treaty, only to see the fighting recommence. God's victory over Satan is total. It's final. 
Satan will never rise again. Come and see what the Lord has done. And finally, amid all the noise of battle and victory celebrations, there is in verses 10 and 11 the calming call to us all. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We read the scriptures and discover God's wonderful love and mercy. We see the victories of his people in the Old Testament and the victory of the cross. We see his people being transformed into a living church, the body of Christ. And the action goes on and on. And we are part of that work. We still have a role to play in God's victory march. This role comes out of a lasting and loving relationship with God and our great desire to see God's name glorified. But in all of this, there is the call, be still and know that I am God. Think about your life and what you have to do. The pace at which you move, deadlines to meet, projects to finish, people to see, things to organise, relationships to work on. Is it any wonder that when it comes to trusting in God, he says, be still? As I've said before, we have two grandchildren who live close by. Jackie and I have a lot of contact with them. William is six, Lewis is four. They are so full of life and energy that at times we have to say, stop, be still. That's as much as for our benefit as it is for theirs. <laughs> but you see, if we want calm and peace, we have to stop the chaos. Our cry to our grandchildren is to, Come and sit down and rest. The call from God is to be still in him. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that there is a God who loves you. Be still and recall his grace and mercy shown to you in Jesus his death on the cross and his resurrection. Be still and know that you need not fear death and judgment, but your eternal home is in heaven, in the Saviour's presence. Be still and know the certainty of eternal life and a place in God's kingdom. Be still and know that I am God is the call that comes to all of us. I want us to pause for a moment to be still. Thinking about God and what he, what, what he means to you and to us as the body of Christ in this place. In a few moments, I'll close with prayer 
You might want to take an attitude of prayer. You might want to close your eyes or just think carefully. If you're looking through scripture, can I encourage you, perhaps close your Bible for a moment, turn off your phone or whatever you've been used for looking at scripture. Just be still and reflect upon God. In a little while, I'll close with prayer. Let's be still. Heavenly Father, we live in a world where we face disease and pain, where there is financial loss, professional failure, a world of heartbreak and anger, a world where we are pressured to accept its standards and pleasures. But hearing your word, you tell us that even earthquakes and mountains falling into the sea cannot take us away from you and the inheritance you provide for us. Help us, O oh God, to be still, casting all our cares on you. Show us in our frailty the strength of your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.